Welcome to the Sugar Science Podcast. Our mission is to highlight and connect researchers in the type 1 diabetes space. I'm Monica Wesley for the Sugar Science and your host for today's podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Patrick McDonald. He's a professor of pharmacology at the University of Alberta. He's also the Canadian Research Chair in Islet Biology. And as well, his graduate student, Jasmine Magira, she, is, uh, she started in Dr. McDonald's lab in September at the uh, University of Alberta in pharmacology. And she actually just recently won a second place in our pitch competition that was held by the Sugar Science in October. So congratulations, uh, Jasmine, and thank you both for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So I just wanted to talk to you both a little bit about how uh, your impression of how you got into uh, being interested in um, the scientific, um, you know, aspect of type one diabetes. Do you want to go? Would like to go first. Sure. I mean, I I can start off, and I think that um, you'll see that uh, maybe Jasmine and I have have quite different stories um, with respect to how we got interested in in type one research. Uh, for me, you know, I was always a kid uh, growing up who was interested in biology and science. Um, and, you know, I didn't have any personal connection to, to type one, to be honest. Um, I, was, I was coming more from the, the perspective of, of someone being interested in, in understanding how, um, how the human body works and, and very interested in things like um, cell biology and these little, <clears throat> excuse me, these little machines in our in our bodies and how they how they operate. And so, you know, I was doing my undergraduate uh, studies at the University of uh, Western Ontario, which is in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my undergraduate, I was um, uh, working on endocrinology. Uh, actually, at the time, doing a bit of of work on testosterone uh, and mm-hmm. sex hormones. Um, and when I started thinking about what I wanted to do, uh, looking into graduate programs, uh, I started looking at the University of Toronto. Uh, as you know, of course, Toronto has a rich history in, in diabetes research. Oh, yes. Um, and I, I, I found a, a group there, a professor there, that, that was doing some, some work that I found to be quite interesting. Um, and the guy's name was uh, Tony Sun. Hmm. Um, and Tony Sun is, is long since retired now. Uh, he's the guy who pioneered um, encapsulation, microencapsulation of islets in the in the 70s and early 80s. Um, so he was one of the first people, for example, to uh, transplant uh, microencapsulated islets into uh, non-human primates mm-hmm. uh, and reverse diabetes in 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 these uh, in these animals. Uh, and so I joined his lab uh, as a graduate student, uh, and about one year into that, uh, he retired, oh. and I was shuttled off to a different lab, and I ended up doing my PhD with uh, Mike Wheeler at the University of Toronto, uh, who, who has, has worked for a long time in, in islet biology. Yeah. Uh, and that's really my story. You know, over the years, uh, obviously, being exposed to the field, uh, working with the Alberta Diabetes Institute and the Alberta Diabetes Foundation, you know, I've gotten a much greater appreciation for um, you know diabetes and the impacts that it has on on, on people's lives. So I, I've come at the diabetes research, you know, from the scientific side first, and that's what's what's really driven me initially, uh, and then grown in my appreciation for you know what 
science in this area can actually do for people. Yeah. And I don't know. I think Jasmine maybe has a slightly different story. Okay. That's a very interesting story. I love that you trained with uh, one of the first uh, people involved in microencapsulation. That gives you a very interesting perspective, I think, as you're um, doing all the things you do now. And Jasmine, what do you, uh, what's your story? What brought you to it? Well, I guess um, I always had a fascination with autoimmunity. I just thought it was um, peculiar that that happened in, in human bodies. And my intention was never to go into type 1 diabetes research. So I started in a glycobiology lab, or I guess glycochemistry lab, where I was developing a new technology um, in hopes to find immune, uh, I guess, immune signaling molecules. Um, and I took Dr. McDonald's class in uh, diabetes research and uh, kind of gained, gained uh, you know, again, I got some interest in it and I, I finally, I actually have type one diabetes. So uh -huh. I always had that on a back burner. I never thought I would go into it. And then I took this course and I was like, wow, okay, maybe, maybe this is a really great motivator for me. Um, and uh, I, I haven't looked back since. <laughs> That's a huge tribute to a professor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, when you really um, get someone interested enough in your subject where they apply to graduate school and then start doing the work. So kudos to, uh, to you, Patrick. That's amazing. I think, um, and so let's talk a little bit about some of the work that is coming uh, or has just come out of the laboratory. And when you, if anyone, uh, you know, is interested, you can easily go to the McDonald Islet Biology Laboratory online and you can see that basically they've got just several approaches to uh, learning more about this. They've got human islet phenotyping and they've got, you know, patch clamping and there's like some simulation in the beta cell. Glucagon secretion is looked at, oscillations and coupling of beta cell function. I mean, there's so much going on in your laboratory. Um, but if you could choose, you know, sort of uh, some of the highlights that have recently come out, uh, we'd love to hear about them. Uh, sure, and I'll, um, you know, I'll try to describe this in a bit of a way that, that it might, uh, you know, segue into what uh, Jasmine's working on. Um, right. We have, uh, actually, right now is about the 10-year the anniversary of a program we started here in, here in Edmonton, uh, which is to, to isolate and distribute human uh, islets for research. Mm -hmm. um, so you're, you're probably aware of the, the clinical islet transplant group here in Edmonton, mm -hmm. uh, led by James Shapiro. Yes. Uh, and of course they, you know, there's a lot of expertise here in Edmonton on, on human islet isolation, transplantation, and so on. Um, but about 10 years ago, we started a, a parallel program uh, to, you know, effectively take organs that uh, pancreas that was not going for transplant mm -hmm. uh, and with research consent, of course, uh, process those for human islet isolation uh, so that we could provide tissue to, to researchers uh, uh, for study. Um, you know, the advantages of, of being a research only program are that we can study uh, tissue from people with diabetes. So we do isolate islets uh, from, from organ donors with type 2 and type 1 uh, diabetes. Mm -hmm. And we 
we share these around the world uh, for various research projects. We have, I think, about 120 different groups and institutions that we, we send tissue to now. So are you in collaborating with the NPOD a group in University of Florida with Mark Atkinson's uh, group? Um, we, um, we do collaborate with them on various things. We have received and studied tissue from NPOD, like many uh, investigators have. Um, NPOD, I mean, I can't say enough good things about what NPOD has done for the field and, and, yeah. and Mark. Um, um, our human islet program, and we have talked over the years about how we can you know, work more closely together with the human tissue program, but, but really um, our islet isolations have been separate from, from, from NPOD. But we do maintain a good relationship with, uh, with that group and with the, um, you know, the IIDP group, the Integrated Islet Distribution Program uh, out of City of Hope and Joyce Nyland, yep. uh, Carmela Evans-Molina. Uh, and we work together with them on, on, on a few different things as well. Um, so, you know, as we are putting, have been putting together this program, we, we started doing a lot of work on phenotyping these islet preps, right? Because we, we want to know things like, you know, what a gold standard islet should look like and behave like if we're going to, for example, make islets out of stem cells. We want to know what we're aiming for exactly. in terms of function. Um, and as part of this phenotyping initiative, we started working um, three or four years ago uh, with some collaborators at Stanford, uh, Sung Kim uh, and Stephen Quake, on something called uh, PatchSeq, which is uh, combined. So our, our background in our lab is in patch clamp electrophysiology. And um, uh, these groups at Stanford uh, are working in genomics. And uh, there were a couple of papers published uh, in the neuroscience field uh, combining electrophysiology and and single cell RNA sequencing. Um, so um, a research associate in my group, Shaqing uh, Dai, uh, together with a postdoc at Stanford named Joan Kamunas Solar, uh, started setting this up uh, for for human islet cells. So we're, we're doing some patch clamp electrophysiological characterization of these cells, uh, and then we're taking each cell and and sequencing them. Uh, single cell RNA sequencing. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, and so from that, we've been able to pull out pathways that contribute to beta cell and alpha cell function, uh, pathways uh, that um, uh, contribute to dysfunction, mostly in type 2 diabetes, uh, beta cells in type 2 diabetes. Uh, we have done some uh, islet cells from donors with type 1, uh, and we have I think another six or eight donors with type one in the pipeline, which will be a follow-up study to what we've published uh, already. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about those ones at the moment, unfortunately, because they're still being uh, being analyzed. Um, and so we're, you know, we're thinking a lot about how we can use that approach to try and understand um, what sort of mature phenotypes are or should be. Uh, in in primary human alpha and beta cells. Um, yeah, this is such an important work, and uh, I'm sure it, you know. In some ways, it has to be done so uh, you know very meticulously, meticulous work. 
but so important. And I think that um, I, I wonder when you're doing um, looking at the genomics of these cells, are you able to also look at the uh, epigenetics? Um, we did discuss that. Um, and I think at the time, which would have been a, a year or two ago now, uh, you know, we thought that the single cell, um, uh, you know, epigenetics approaches were not where they needed to be to allow us to combine them with um, the patch clamp, electrophysiology. Um, and there are some technical reasons for that, um, uh, that, that we have to process the cells a bit differently when we do these, these experiments. Um, it's something I think that we would like to revisit um, and, and, and get to eventually. Uh, but uh, yeah, we should get back to thinking about that. You know, the kinds of things we'd like to do with, with computational approaches is overlay our data on current data sets. Yeah. That would give us some insight into, into some of the epigenetics and, and, and so on. Yeah, there is a, um, there's a group that's uh, this created a Parkinsonsome, basically. They, she's doing that. Um, her group is, I believe, based in San Francisco and maybe now New York. But she, she's doing that layered effect of data analytics, of, of layers of data. And um, it'll be, it remains to be seen how successful it is. But it is an interesting idea because the epigenetics, have, there's been some data that show that they are important as the disease progresses. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy uh, data analysis involved in in some of this kind of work, and we're not you know, we haven't traditionally been much of a computational lab. You know, we come from cell physiology side of things, but we're dipping our toes into that that kind of work, including what what Jasmine is uh, is working on. Okay, well that sounds very cool, Jasmine. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing? So um, I guess. As of now, uh, where I see my project going is uh, creating a way to link uh, the electrophysiological changes of stem cell derived uh, beta cells to the, the transcriptional data. Um, now, the easiest way, or I guess the, the most effective way I see this going is by machine learning. And luckily, um, Dr. McDonald's laboratory has a lot of data on uh, non-diabetic mature uh, human cells. And I guess where I see myself uh, interacting with this data is training uh, a code or an algorithm with that data and then um, patching and sequencing stem cells and seeing where this beta score lies. Um, in hopes to characterize it and in hopes to guide uh, the protocols to get them to, uh, to be more functionally mature, if that makes sense. Oh, I think you're muted. Nope, I think I, I am muted, sorry. <laughs> Beware of my, my dog here. Um, yeah, the, I was saying that now that these tools are sort of evolving at fast paces and um, the whole idea of machine learning is just such a fascinating one. Do you think, uh, is there anyone you might to collaborate with or is this something that's just going to wholly come from your laboratory? Uh, good question. So um, we do indeed, of course, collaborate with, with others uh, on, on this kind of data analysis. Um, 
And there are, oh, uh, where, where do we start? Um, I, I would say in, in the model that um, Jasmine's referring to, and essentially what, what we're doing is um, we are uh, taking our electrophysiologic data and fingerprinting these cells. So we're getting a, a, an electrical phenotype, uh, which then we can match up with a, transcript, uh, a transcriptome phenotype for each cell. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're training models to identify um, alpha or beta cells uh, based on their, uh, how closely their electrical phenotype uh, adheres to what we would define as a, as a mature mature phenotype and we can get that beta score like like jasmine mentioned is is a measure of how closely that phenotype uh, matches um, a mature beta cell so we're working on that uh, kind of modeling with um, a collaborator in oxford named uh, linford bryant who's mm -hmm. uh, who's a mathematician uh, working in islet biology himself for several years uh, he's within a group of patrick roarsman um, and so that's been, um, we'll have a, a paper uh, coming out on that, hopefully in the not too distant future, where we're using that approach. Actually, we're using it to look at alpha cell phenotypes at the moment. Uh, but Jasmine, like she said, wants to apply it to stem cell derived beta cells. Yeah. Um, and we have, um, you know, other collaborators, I, I guess I could reel off some names. Um, we have um, our collaborators in Stanford who are, are are well-versed in these approaches. Uh, so Joan Camuna Solar, who I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, the Alberta Diabetes Institute has a, uh, has a joint PhD program with um, uh, the Helmholtz Diabetes Center in Munich. Uh, and through that, another graduate student in the lab named Theo uh, uh, DeSantos is um, working with um, Heiko Lickert and Fabian Thies, who is the uh, uh, the head of the, um, not sure of the exact name in, in Munich, but it's uh, you know head of the machine learning center there. Um, so yeah, I guess the, the the short answer is you can't do any of this kind of work without strong collaborations. That's very yeah. important. Yeah, and it sounds like you have your connections very um, well positioned to move this forward. I wondered if, um, and which is super exciting, I cannot wait to see, you know, what's, what comes out of the, of the work you're doing, um, Jasmine and the whole lab. What, um, what can you say about um, looking at doing this kind of, you know, establishing this kind of score for human cells versus a scoring of a mouse cell? Uh, is it a similar process? Uh, have you done it? Um, and are the scores, do the score, does the scoring end up similar mouse to human? I mean, you'd have to make, you have to make separate models for mouse and human. Um, and it is doable. In fact, uh, it was first done in mice. Um, this collaborator I mentioned in Oxford, Linford Bryant, published a paper in 2017 uh, about the electrophysiologic fingerprinting of, of mouse um, islet cells uh, to aid in cell identification. So one of the problems, one of the difficulties with the electrophysiology is, is knowing what cell type you're looking at, right? So, so our, you know, you're measuring a current and let's say it's a sodium channel current and, and it's really hard in, in both mouse and human um, to, to know what kind of cells you're looking at. You can, what we've typically done is immunostain the cells afterwards, and then we know several days later 
what kind of cell we were looking at. But what, what Linford did uh, was generate these models to aid in cell identification during electrophysiologic experiments. But you know, what I think we're trying to do now with that, that model is uh, use it to try and understand how you know, it can, the model can identify alpha versus beta cells, but we also want to score them based on how closely they resemble what we would call alpha and beta cells. We know already, for example, in, well, we know in both type one and type two, that uh, when we do these electrophysiologic fingerprints in, in, in uh, alpha or beta cells, that the phenotypes drift away from uh, what we would have seen in primary uh, cells from people without diabetes. Hmm. So, Interesting. You know, all that tells you really is that the cells change their function. Uh, and I think what, what we want to know is uh, what transcriptional pathways might be involved in, in those changes. Yeah, what's, what's driving the changes, right? Yeah. So, and, and in the, the stem cell-derived cells, I guess the question is, you know, how close are, are we getting to, to primary cells and what, what transcriptional pathways might be uh, differentiating the primary beta cells that we are looking at from the um, stem cell-derived beta cells? Maybe uh, time to dial up Vertex and see if they're interested in, in the collaboration <laughs> or, or yeah. Viasite. Maybe Viasite's gonna be more receptive, I don't know. But um, yeah, that, I think that's so important, right? Because you wanna know what's the optimal um, signaling uh, pathway or the signaling health, I guess, of the cell and then what, is, what, are, the, what are the genes behind that? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, if if all goes well, we find some uh, some pathways that we can tickle to um, push the push the cells in the direction we want, right? Yeah. There's, there's this magical things happen when you take stem cell derived beta cells that we have presently and put them in vivo, and uh, you know they take a few more steps towards mature function, and um, you may. Be aware that there. I mean, there are some papers on this recently. Um, Jeff Millman comes to mind. Um, but uh, you know, if we can, if we can make, I guess, a roadmap, if you will, yes. in terms of how these cells change their function and gene expression in concert. Uh, I mean, I think that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, it would be, and it would be a, the. It's an essential roadmap for actually implanting cells into a human that are actually that are going to be viable and for long term so and yeah i i also agree that jeff millman is doing some very um important work very meticulous and um dissecting the, the steps that are needed so he's he's also a great one to watch um i guess well i'm very excited again to that you were able to share this with us i it sounds so fun. Are you looking for postdocs or graduate students? Uh, always looking for good people. Um, okay. You know, we are, we've got a lot of things going on, as you mentioned, um, and, and we're, we're trying to increase our capacity in, in phenotyping and in processing data and organizing data. That's become a bit of a bottleneck, to be honest, for us. Um, so that's the kind of thing we would be looking for. So computational science, uh, scientists 
uh, and those that are particularly interested in beta cells, maybe. Yep, or alpha cells. Or alpha cells. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I can't forget those. A lot of people are uh, getting more excited about what they're doing too, which is important, the whole picture. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience, other scientists, um, other young scientists um, in well, the face of this sort of these challenges of the pandemic? I don't know. I, I've been sort of um, uh, taking over a lot of the time here. What, Jasmine, what do you have to say to young people out there? Um, well, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a challenging time for young graduate students. Uh, just because the coaching isn't quite there, like you can't be face to face all the time and uh, not everybody's in the lab all the time. But I think, um, I guess my, my tip would be to bug your supervisors and bug those around you, ask a hundred questions and um, I guess, uh, yeah, just make sure you're in the loop and you're talking lots. That really helps. Get a Slack channel going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's been really helpful. And I guess my previous training in electrophysiology also really uh, helped speed up the, the process to patch clamping in uh, Dr. McDonald's lab. So yeah, I guess that's about it. And I, I, I'll add to that, you know, any, any supervisor worth their salt out there will not consider it to be bugging if you're asking questions. These are important things. Yeah, it's a new way of communicating. And um, I think that everyone is learning new ways of doing it. So um, I, I love that you kind of gave that, uh, that type of advice, both of you from both sides. Um, and uh, I just want to say thank you both again. Congratulations again, Jasmine, for uh, winning the pitch competition. I cannot wait to see what you do next. I think you're definitely going to be doing something fa fabulous soon. Thank and you. yeah, for sure. And um, if we, we're going to put a shout out onto the Sugar Science, and if there's anyone out there who uh, fits the bill, reach out to the McDonald Lab and, and see, um, you know, see if it's the right fit. Uh, so I wish you both the best and we'll, we'll be watching the laboratory very closely because it's, it's definitely one to watch. Thank you again for talking to us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you.